All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today, we have a very special guest for you and a little crossover with the Lockdown uh, Tigers podcast, which is new to the Lockdown Network. He's going to be doing it the same way that we do things over here at the Lockdown Red Wings Network or at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. So if you're a Tigers fan, uh, be sure to get over and onto that podcast. And we will now greet the host from that new show. Now, if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen his rants. You've probably engaged with him from time to time. Uh, he is one of the most well-informed Detroit sports fans on Twitter, uh, and you're all luckily, lucky to have him uh, to host this upcoming podcast. Chris Castellani. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on. That was a very kind introduction, man. I appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, it definitely wasn't an exaggeration at all. I think, uh, I think if you spend a lot of time following Detroit sports on Twitter, it'd be hard to miss you. And uh, after watching any number of your videos, it'd be hard to say you don't know what you're talking about. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to have you a part of the team here at the Lockdown Network. Now, what, uh, what was kind of the process to getting into the show? When's it getting started? And, and what do we got to know about it? Uh, well, it's going to be uh, up tomorrow, episode number one. Uh, it's actually already recorded. It's in the bag. I got it scheduled for let's see, probably around when I get back from work, so probably around four thirty, five o'clock Eastern tomorrow, the first edition will be up. Uh, how it came about, really, I mean, it was just one of those things, and it's kind of the power uh, that social media has had, especially on my life, that uh, it was just one of those, one of those instances where I, I'd been itching to do something more. You know, I've, I, I do the videos on Twitter, which I have a ton of fun with, and I love engaging with people on there, and I do the weekly uh, co-hosting gig on maizeandbrew.com, recording with Anthony Broom and Luke Giardi, and, and that's, I, I love doing that as well, but you know, I was itching for, to find something more, and it just so happened I came across Locked On, and they were looking uh, for someone to be the uh, Detroit Tigers uh, affiliate, the Detroit Tigers host, and uh, I thought that that seemed like a really wonderful opportunity, and it's, it's just a good fit. I, I mean, everything that uh, they've done so far, it's been a, a, a painless pro- process, a simple process, and and as far as the show goes, you know, it's going to be uh, probably during the off season, uh, which we got a few more weeks of here, uh, probably about three times a week, uh, maybe more, po- possibly more. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, uh, 15 minutes uh, or so a show, depending on uh, whether or not we have an interview or something. And we're going to be talking Tigers baseball, obviously, and, and it will be viewed in a very uh, or I'll, I'll go into it the same way I go into uh, my Twitter videos, but the li- there are major limitations, obviously, to Twitter, where you, uh, from a video standpoint, you only have two minutes and 20 seconds. And the way I've kind of described it to myself is that's kind of me in a blender. You know, you put all the ingredients in and then you kind of shake it up and it's got to, everything's got to come out really fast. Um, here, you know, this will be the opportunity for me to stretch and, and probably uh, we're going to, you're going to hear me uh, be a little bit more analytical, a little bit more in depth. And uh, I, but continuing kind of the same themes that run throughout my videos. And that's a guy who's objective, a guy who's, who's fair, and hopefully is someone who is uh, remarkably entertaining as well. Uh, I've, I've definitely seen your Twitter rants. And I think one thing that's amazing uh, that you, you're going to get from this Locked on Tigers podcast talking about you, the listeners, is the, the commitment. Uh, this guy, every mm-hmm. single day after, after every Tigers game, after every Michigan basketball, football uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's teams that I'm missing in there, but uh, every day he's he's posting the videos online. He's he's not mincing any words. Now, what uh, what is the first episode going to kind of be about? What do you what do you 
putting some attention toward as the season kind of uh, approaches here? Well, the first uh, episode that's going to be coming out tomorrow is going to be two parts. It's the first part's kind of just an introduction, uh, kind of similar to what I've, I've been talking about with you right now so far, which is kind of basically what you can expect from this podcast, the type of person uh, you can expect to hear. And the second part, because this, at this time in, in spring training, you get a lot of pieces about how in shape everybody is and how good every pitcher looks. And uh, I think you kind of, as someone who – over these last couple of years, I've seen a lot of bad baseball. You become kind of cynical. And I think uh, what sure. you're going to hear tomorrow is someone who's going to kind of try to weed that stuff out. And, and we're going to talk tomorrow about um, Miguel Cabrera's, you know, uh, weight loss, the guy who, who appears to be in much better shape than he's been in. And we're going to kind of answer the question of, is it, w- will it matter? I mean, this is a guy who for the longest time was Goliath. I mean, was the best hitter on the planet and has suffered, uh, you know, setback after setback. And as admirable as the weight loss is, will it be enough for him to even get remotely close to uh, the points that we saw him reach for about a decade there with Detroit? And I think for these next couple months, that's going to be uh, – we're going to have a lot of stories like that, kind of talking, taking individual players and discussing where their place is in this franchise. Are they part of the future? Uh, what, what can we expect going forward? Just for the most part, I think spring training, especially for veteran players, is often a crapshoot. I mean, I've been I've been watching baseball long enough to know, and I've seen too many guys who have had terrible springs go on to have incredible seasons, and guys who had incredible springs go on to have terrible seasons. So I, I think a, a lot of it is very experimental, uh, especially for some of the more veteran players who know they're going to make the team. I think what's important in these couple months is seeing growth, seeing if the young guys are continuing to improve, because for the most part, there's really maybe, maybe, and I'm being generous here, one or two players on this major league roster right now who are going to be part of the long-term future of the Detroit Tigers. Where the fun is to be had in this spring training is is trying to find guys like Scooball and like Mize and Manning, uh, uh, Riley Green, who homered today, uh, and trying to see how soon it's going to be until we see those guys at Comerica Park playing in the major leagues. That's where I think the, much of the excitement for this fan base lies right now. Well, I mean, and, and the game's kind of just started, but I think in terms of like strictly, strictly speaking in terms of training camp, I tend to think that baseball happens to probably be the worst one. What you can see in practice versus, you know, how that's going to translate. Uh, who are those couple of guys, though, that you think – might make a might make a difference who haven't really cracked the Tigers roster but are are held in high regard within the organization and you think might make a difference this year well look the entire crux of this rebuild is being built on starting pitching and if there is one thing that I can say every Tigers fan right now should have excitement for is the fact that at some point this season we're gonna see my Manning, Scooball, Fiedo, one, two, or all of those guys at the major leagues at some point. And I think that's part of what made last year so painful as well was the fact that it was you had so many of these talented youngsters in the minor leagues who were in double A. You knew they weren't going to get called up. And at the major league level, you had a team that was just losing games at a you know practically historical rate. I think this year will be hopefully, knock on wood here, slightly more bearable because we're going to see some of those guys, especially the pitchers, be called up to the major leagues. I think some of the guys too, one of the key pieces in this spring training 
to look out for, uh, and I'm not just saying this because he had a very good game today, is, is Riley Green, who was the number five overall pick in last year's draft. Incredibly young, you know, got him out of high school, raw talent. But I think in baseball now more than ever, guys, especially these young players, are getting fast-tracked. I think it, the, the Nationals have kind of made a, a uh, history of this, whether it be with Strasburg, who barely pitched in the major leagues before he got called up, Harper, who got called up when he was 19, or, or Juan Soto, who played like 20 games in double and triple A before getting called up to the major leagues. I think we're at a point now where talent is talent, and especially with some of these teams like the Tigers who are, are yearning for major league talent. If a guy like Riley Green can have a huge spring and they fast-track him, I'm not saying we're going to see him this year. In fact, I would be shocked if we did. But he could be a guy who come 2021 is really going to be knocking on the door potentially for an opening day roster spot. Well, I think when you talk about uh, just the themes that have been going on with the Tigers, the listeners of this show, the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, can definitely uh, relate to that. Uh, the two teams, obviously, both owned mm-hmm. by the Illages, both an extremely – uh, similar scenarios. And, and the one thing that I come on here and I talk about every episode after games is, okay, who was the prospect that stood out? Who was the guy that's going to, uh, who was the guy that demonstrated something that could mean, you know, that could translate to something greater longer uh, on down the road. And unfortunately that's just the reality of all Detroit sports right now. But I think mm-hmm. that, uh, in terms of, you know, being tired and, looking for that next thing and having it there. It's, it's unlike the NFL. It's unlike the NBA where, you know, bona fide talent does not sit at the minor league level in either of those, in either of those leagues. Right. But it does happen in the NHL and it does happen in major league baseball. And that can be one of the most frustrating parts of rooting for a losing team is knowing that you have those intriguing guys down there who haven't gotten a chance to prove anything yet, who aren't ready to, to prove anything yet. Uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast, but unfortunately something that these two fan bases are dealing with right now. And it, it's so frustrating because you, you, you want to hold out hope, and you do, and you do have excitement for a lot of these younger guys, but it doesn't make the arduousness, I don't even know if that's a word, and the, the painfulness of, of the play that we're seeing at the major leagues, at the major league level, a, any more painful. You know, you want, you want to keep holding out hope, and, and we, we do. I mean, this is a very strange and, and tough time in, in professional sports in Detroit right now, and you, you want just some inkling of hope. And, and you're starting – it seems like we're starting to uh, get some of that, at least a little bit with teams like the Red Wings and, and even, you know, Siaka with the Pistons. But it, 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 it makes things at the major league level very frustrating because you're just – you're just bleeding out. You're just waiting for, for this uh, to be over. And I think with the Tigers, at least, the arrival of someone like Mize or Manning at the major leagues will signify uh, at least the, the, the glimmer of a light at the end of the tunnel in what has been a, a really uh, painful uh, rebuild. I do want to ask you one question, Nick, and I think it's something that you know fans of any – team in the city or you know whenever I talk to Matt Shook of the Lockdown Pistons podcast uh, about it it's do you trust this team's GM and I think the Red Wings are in a unique situation right now where literally anything that Steve Eiserman does uh, I think the fans are going to say all right yeah I mean hey whatever Stevie Y thinks but I don't think right <laughs> it's not that I don't think I absolutely know Alavila A doesn't have the track record 
to receive any of that leeway. And, and B, he's been around for, you know, quite some time, has built up a resume of, you know, both good and bad decisions. But I, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting to me that the jury is still out on him because of his circumstances. Yeah. Do you have confidence in him to rebuild this Tigers roster? I, I think at the minor league level, while I don't believe that things are as good as they should be, and I think they have given away a whole lot of talent, man, and gotten very little back. I mean, the best they got back when you look at Upton and J.D. Martinez and Cespedes, you know, they got a couple of years of Michael Fulmer who's still rehabbing from injury. I mean, that's, that's a bad look for three of the most talented uh, hitters in all of baseball. I, so I do believe that they will be able to put together a core, at least at the minor league level, that in a few years here will be legitimate threats uh, in the major leagues. What I worry about uh, is how he's going to be able to fill in the gaps. You look at teams like the mm-hmm. Nationals, for a perfect example, like you know, won the World Series last year. They, you look, they have a lot of guys like Strasburg and Soto and Trey Turner, uh, Victor Robles, guys who came up through their farm system But where that championship was won is that they had the money and the ability to make smart signings, like going out and getting Scherzer, obviously, after his tenure in Detroit, uh, trading for Adam Eaton, which was a a, questionable deal, but ultimately worked out for them, uh, signing Corbin, and and it ultimately uh, made for a team that was a more complete team than we thought and a team that turned out to be a championship team. I think with the Tigers, right now, every signing, for the most part, I think falls more on uh, Illich than it does in Avila simply because I just don't think, I don't think they're giving him the money to spend. And I, I, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any GM out there who goes into an off season saying, man, my, my go-to right now, and no disrespect to these guys, but it's just the truth. My go-to is to go out and get an Austin Romine and, and an uh, Ivan Nova. Like that, that's not, someone you circle at the end of every off at the end of every season and say, that's our guy. Right. I think they're so limited right now by Illich's inability to spend. Now, with that said, when the time comes when they are going to spend money, that's where I have the least amount of faith in Avila because when he was allowed, when he was given carte blanche to spend, which was after the 2015 season, when they essentially were given a blank check and said, go, go for it one more time. Uh, they traded for Francisco Rodriguez, who gave him one good year and then uh, you know, fell apart. They signed Jordan Zimmerman to a deal that is a top five worst contract in the history of the entire city in professional sports. They signed Mike Pelfrey to a two-year deal. For some reason, I, I, they inexplicably gave him a second year in that contract. He wasn't even good for the first year. I mean, those were seven, and they, they signed Upton, who turned out to be a good signing, but just at a bad time, and they were able to uh, trade him ultimately for a guy who doesn't play baseball anymore uh, to the Angels. So to me, like that is that's where my biggest question marks are because the Tigers are a team. They aren't Cleveland. They aren't Kansas City. They aren't Tampa Bay. When the time comes, they will have the money to spend. I just the my lack of faith in Alavila resides in, in the fact that I don't trust that he's going to be able to spend that money wisely. And I think that's going to be the biggest question mark for a lot of fans. This farm system, not as good as maybe it could be, but there are, there is a core there that I think is going to be, even if some of these guys don't develop, there's still going to be some studs in that core. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. 
but it's it's how he's going to spend his money when the time comes that I think it's going to be a lot of fans' biggest question mark. Do you see a scenario where when that time comes, Alavila isn't the GM anymore? Right now, no, because I ultimately they gave him that extension last last season in the, in the middle of the year. So uh, either Chris Illich uh, just doesn't have his finger on the pulse and doesn't care, or he he believes that Al, he's seeing something in the job that Avila's done that we don't see. Clearly, they're on the same page, or else he wouldn't have given them that extension. I thought that was that was a shocking move, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And I don't not even to say that he he was terrible. It just seemed like when he was initially hired, it seemed like it was going to be an interim position anyway. He was going to be a guy who was going to be there for a few years uh, sure. after Dabrowski kind of kind of abruptly left slash got fired and they would come in and hire somebody else. But they clearly seem to believe that they, wa- they want him for the long haul. Uh, so I, unless something goes horribly awry, which I think, once again, you don't want to see this, that would probably involve almost all of these young arms suffering horrible injuries. Unless something like that happens, I think they believe in the, the direction that Avila is taking them right now. And I think that's going to be a, a thing that a lot of a lot of fans are going to be incredibly skeptical of, and rightfully so. Last year was a historically bad season for this team. Yeah, and I think uh, another factor that kind of plays into that is the Chris Illich factor. And, uh, I mean, you kind of brought it up. Like, he, he obviously has been the one hamstringing uh, Avila at this point in time. But I, I don't know that, you know, just because the – baseball is so different like when he hires stevie y to come you know run the red rings okay there's a salary cap whatever like you can pretty much just be completely hands off but when it comes to baseball and it comes to hey let's go spend the hey we have the chance to to make a pretty good team here if we go out there and spend the money he he hasn't gotten the chance to prove that he will do that yet but i also don't know that i'm fully convinced that he's going to be committed to winning even when the time you know kind of presents itself right and you've already seen that i mean somewhat in this offseason where uh, it's even with under the guise of a rebuild there's they still have plenty of money to go out and get a yasiel puig who is still a free agent right now and who at the very least if you sign him to a two three-year deal would be great trade bait cup deadline time and they've all but said it's not a priority right now. And you keep asking why. Why is that not a priority? It's a guy who can make your team better, who can make your organization better, depending on how good of a season he has. And they don't want to come out and just flat out say it, but the truth is they just don't want to spend the money right now. And that's so frustrating for this fan base, especially coming off of an era in which Dombrowski, say what you will about him, that didn't do everything perfect, but spent gobs of money in an attempt to win a championship. Now, ultimately, it turned out to be a failure. They didn't win a World Series. And what happened in Boston was kind of a microcosm of what happened to him in Detroit, spending a ton of money on power arms. And the only difference is in Boston, they had that 108-win season, uh, probably the greatest team in the history of that organization. And in Detroit, they're left with an empty trophy case. And and, uh, Joaquin Benoit hung one. Exactly. Right. I mean, that. That to me uh, was the the big, and we didn't might not have known it at the time. I think that 2013 team was the best Detroit Tigers team since 1984, and I uh, maybe it's just me trying to paint this this fictional future kind of with with rose 
colored glasses, but I think that watch if Benoit gets that out, I think they sweep Boston. And I, I, I have a hard time believing that in three separate world series, they were going to have a long layoff and, uh, and, and end up getting killed again. And I think that was, I think after that, you saw them start to fall into desperation mode and they made some signings that they probably shouldn't have made, made some trades they shouldn't have made. And uh, it led to a, a really difficult position. I mean, as, as, uh, inconsistent and as frustrated of a, of a, as frustrated as I've been with the job that Alabila has done, he was not left in the best position. He was left with a barren farm system uh, and a a whole lot of money to be thrown around to guys who weren't producing. And I think that that by now, in my opinion, they should have a team that is good enough to compete at the major league level and win some ball games. They don't. And I think a lot of that probably falls on him and Illich. Some of it doesn't. Some of it, some of it is just bad luck. But I, that's unfortunately the position he was put in, and it's it's led to this very frustrating rebuild. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. That David Ortiz home run being the beginning of the end for Dave Dombrowski and the Detroit Tigers of that era, and the way that we knew them. And uh, Chris, I I'm not exactly sure how old you are, but I'm assuming we're the pr- probably pretty close to the same age. Uh, and I mean, for me, like that was it, that was me in my high school years. That was me in my early college years watching that team. And I was absolutely like in love, in love with that team in a way that I haven't been, you know, in a way that I loved the Oh four Pistons. I loved that those 2012, 2013 Tigers games. There was no better place to be in this, in the summertime than Comerica park. I still remember I was at the game, uh, when, when JD Martinez came back and homered off Chris Sale in the eighth to go up two one, I would say White that Sox. that was. The, I would say, sadly, that may have been the last truly great Detroit sports moment. I mean, what do you professionally? I mean, maybe Blake Griffin going for fifty uh, last year, but I would say that one stands out as probably a top five to ten moment in the history of that ballpark. Oh, I'm a hundred percent with you. I've never, I, it was, it was so crazy. Cause like, you know, uh, Mario, obviously on the call, he goes, can you imagine if he hits one out right here? Uh, First pitch. and I, it's funny. Like I knew that I knew that he was hitting that out. Everybody knew as soon as they heard the hustle and hustle, like it was like, right. it was like straight out of WWE. You had Jim Ross on the call, like, back out, that's J.D. Martinez's music. And he was not doing anything mm-hmm. other than hitting a home run out of that stadium to dead center, too. I mean, Jesus. But uh, while we are talking good moments, I, I figure we'll, we'll add a little bit of levity to this conversation as we begin to wrap it up because there's a lot of depressing things going on right now with exactly. both of our teams. But I'm curious to know, as a Detroit Tigers fan, do you have any any moments that you would nail down as maybe your favorite or top two or three? You know, one that stands out is it was it was once again it was that 2013 season, and I was I was a senior in high school at the time, and I was a tennis player in high school, and it was it was my senior year it was right kind of near the end of the year, and uh, the Tigers were down two one in the ALDS. So I was doubly stressed. I had a match that day and I'm also having the Tigers on my mind. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we play the match. It was one of the, the toughest matches. I, my partner and I played that entire uh, season and, uh, and we, we lost to a team that was undefeated and we got, I got to uh, my car to drive home 
and I, I heard the Tigers were winning, and I'm like, all right, good. I heard they were they were losing at first. They were down three nothing. Peralta hit a home run to to put them back in it, and I heard Scherzer was coming in out of the pen, so I was I was feeling pretty good. I'm like, all right, let's get this thing back to Oakland. Hopefully, hopefully JB will do his thing in Game Five. Uh, I turn on my car, and it's about it was about a 20 minute drive home. And the second I turn on my car, I hear Dan Dickerson go, it's 5-4 Tigers, bases loaded, nobody out, Max Scherzer on the mound. And uh, basically, I pulled into the driveway just as that inning ended. You know, and it was uh, about a 20-minute uh, ordeal. You know, Scherzer, he strikes out Reddick with a 3-2 changeup. He gets Stephen Vogt swinging on the fastball. And then uh, Alberto Cayasco had a really good at-bat. And uh, right as I was pulling into the driveway, he hit a line drive to center. And you could hear in Dan Dickerson's voice, like, it sounded like this was going to be a, a basis-clearing double that was going to that was going to split the gap and, and uh, put, put the A's in front and possibly end the Tigers' season. And, but uh, J- Austin Jackson had it played perfectly. He made the catch. They go on to win that game. JV dominates. I mean, had a perfect game going into the seventh inning uh, against the Sonny Gray and the A's in that game five. So that, that one always stands out to me because it was, it was one of those rare times where I wasn't able to get to a television and I'm a very visual person and hearing uh, something going on is so stressful to me, especially with, with uh, a sport as visual as baseball. So uh, I thought that was uh, that was a moment that always stands out to me. I was uh, I was actually at that game as well, which like it's I'm I don't really I don't go to that many Tigers games, so it's like, but it's funny. I remember everything about that day. I was at uh, it was my freshman year at Oakland uh, University. It was uh, I was going there with one of my best friends at the time. We just happened to be on campus the same day, and I, we were sitting there, and it was you know before our eight AMs, and I was like, dude, can you imagine like getting tickets for this game? And uh, we just ended up getting them. I got some incredible last minute deal for a really good price down the third baseline. Uh, and I would have to agree with you outside of that JD Martinez Homer. That is probably my second best memory as a Detroit Tigers fan. Just I've never heard the stadium that loud. I've never like just the uniqueness of the, of the way it all went down with Scherzer coming out of the pen. Scherzer, a fan favorite at that time, perhaps like the heart and soul of that of that lineup, although Justin Verlander is the franchise and the ace, I think Max Scherzer, to be quite honest, uh, was the absolute heartbeat of that pitching staff. And the way yeah. he came into the dugout, just fired up, smack, like not even smacking hands, just punching hands with his fit or with his open fist. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was. It, it it felt like, and uh, you know, it's probably going to make it depressing again, but it felt like <laughs> that was going to be the defining moment for that team. The like, start of the it, it championship. Like, it, yeah, no, exactly. I, I mean, it's, and it seemed like, uh, cause you know, the year before they had another five game series against the A's and it, you could just feel Oakland deflated after that happened. And um, that was, yeah, no, that was, that was a special group. Well, guys, uh, at this point, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Chris has done enough convincing uh, you to show you that he's informed and that you should be listening to the Lockdown Tigers podcast. Uh, I definitely have had an, a good time talking with you. Now, where can people find you on Twitter and uh, where can they you know, interact with you? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E. L L A N I two O one four. And I promise tomorrow uh, I'll be posting the links to where you can find the podcast, where you can follow it uh, on iTunes, on megaphone. Uh, so I'll, I'll have all that information out once that 
gets posted and obviously still going with the Michigan basketball videos and the occasional movie review as well. So we got still got a lot of content coming down the pike here real soon. So please follow me there. Uh, I'd much appreciate it. Like I said, outside of the Tigers too, it's, uh, it's, it's just a, he's a good follow guys. I, I don't even know how, how else to put it, but I'll leave it at that. Chris, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and joining us. Good luck with your show. And we look forward to talking with you in the future. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me on.